So the scripture reading today is from 1 Chronicles 13, 1 to 14. Um, and if you're using one of the church Bibles, that's on page 190. And if you need a Bible, you're welcome to take that home if you're one of the people who are here. Um, so I'll go ahead and read. Again, this is 1 Chronicles 13, verses 1 to 14. David conferred with each of his officers, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. He then said to the whole assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you, and if it is the will of the Lord our God, let us send word far and wide to the rest of our people throughout the territories of Israel, and also to the priests and Levites who are with them in their towns and pasture lands to come and join us. Let us bring the ark of our Lord God back to us, for we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. The whole assembly agreed to do this because it seemed right to all the people. So David assembled all Israel from the Shihar River to e in Egypt to Lebo Hamath to bring the Ark of God from Kiriath-Jearim. David and all Israel went to Bela of Judah, Kiriath-Jearim, to bring up from there the Ark of God the Lord, who is enthroned between the cherubim, the Ark that is called by the name. They moved the Ark of God from Abinadab's house on a new cart with Uzzah and Ahio guiding it. David and all the Israelites were celebrating with all their might before God, with songs and with harps, lyres, timbrels, cymbals, and trumpets. When they came to the threshing floor of Kedon, Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark, because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah, and he struck him down, because he had put his hand on the ark. So he died there before God. Then David was angry, because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of God that day and asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God to me? He did not take the ark to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months, and the Lord blessed his household and everything he had. The word of the Lord. Thank you. There are some really tough uh, words in there to pronounce, so <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, you know, I was reflecting that this may be the only time that one of my sermons would be viral, so. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, let's pray. Uh, Father God, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you that no matter what we face, we can turn to you and know that you are in control. Even when uh, things seem to be chaotic, when life tomorrow seems uncertain, uh, Lord, you remain steady and unchanging and loving and merciful and gracious towards us, Lord. And we thank you for that. Uh, I pray right now that you would open our hearts and our minds to, to your word and uh, that you'd speak to us uh, and, that, and that we would be a little bit different uh, when we leave today uh, than when we first came in for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, I think one of the first reactions to this passage is, wow, did God really kill this guy just because he touched the ark? And that's a great question for discussion, right? It's not the main focus of the day. We'll touch on it, but it's not the main focus. Because what I want to talk about it really is, is kind of the, um, the approach and the heart behind David and Israel uh, during this story. Because the things we want to focus on today are, are, are good intentions, right? How good intentions may not be always what's best. Right? 
And the second thing I want to talk about is, is well, how can we draw close to God and learn what is best? Uh, unfortunately, we have to do that from, from a negative example. Um, so uh, in this story, we, we read about how uh, David wants to bring the ark uh, back to Jerusalem, right? So, well, first of all, what is the ark, right? It's important to establish. Uh, the ark is, is a container uh, of holy items. So the Ten Commandments, Aaron's staff are in there. Uh, and it's more importantly, the seed of God, right? It's the physical manifestation of God's presence with the people of Israel. So a very holy, very special uh, item. And so this is really a good idea, right? To bring the ark back to the center of society, back to the center of of Israel. But that kind of begs the question, where where was it, right? So uh, several years before, Israel was in battle with the Philistines, and, and they said, you know what, we need some help in this. We'll bring the ark along with us, kind of like a good luck charm. <laughs> so they brought the ark along, and they were still defeated, because God is not a good luck charm. Right? So they were defeated. The Philistines took the ark uh, and said, Hi, as, as, a, as a treasure from their battle. Right? So they took it back with them, and uh, it kind of floated around uh, the cities of the Philistines, but everywhere it went, it wreaked havoc. There's actually some pretty interesting stories associated with that. But it got to the point where the Philistines said, we can't do this anymore. This is causing too much grief. And so they built a new cart and put the ark on this cart and pointed the oxen in the direction of Israel and said, see you later. We're done with this, right? So, so the, the, uh, the ark and the, the oxen came to rest in a place called kirath Jerem, which is where we find the ark resting today. And so... During the, all the reign of Samuel, uh, as, as judge, and then as, during the reign of King Saul, who preceded David, the ark is kind of off to the side, right? It's in this little town of Kirath-Jerim, and it's not the center of society. It's not seen as very important. So really, a great idea of David, this is very early in his reign, very good idea of David to bring the ark back, right? He recognizes the importance. He recognizes, look, guys, we need to be focused on, on God. All right. So... Um, What's the, the point of all that is to say, again, it's a really good idea to bring the focus to the right place. And it's certainly good to get advice. I think we all agree it's good to get advice, and we read from the Scripture here that, that David asked a lot of people. But he didn't seem to ask God. Right? He's going for popular buy-in among the masses, but he's not seeing, seeking what God wants. Right? And we read this later, two chapters later in in, in a, in 1 Chronicles 15, where they are successful to bring the ark back. So in 1 Chronicles 15, 13, it says, For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us, because we did not consult him about the proper order. Right? There's a proper way to do this. Right? And I highlighted the fact that you know, they, they built a new cart and put it on it, just like the Philistines had done. Right? I think the, uh, the author did that intentionally to show that there's a connection between the way that they were treating the ark. So good intentions. I'm sure many of you have examples from your own life where you said, hey, this is a great idea. Let's see how this works out. So there's one from my childhood that's pretty pretty funny. I must have been 11 or 12 years old, and we were eating dinner at my aunt and uncle's house who lived not too far away. And we're eating dinner, and my mom realizes, ah, I forgot the dessert, 
And this was a really good dessert. You may have had it before. It's got Oreos and Cool Whip and ice cream. Really healthy, but really good. Right? And so I was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll go get it. And she tells me to hurry. So I run home, and I say, you know what? I would be even faster if I brought the dessert back on my bike. Because I'm a really good bike rider, right? And so this, uh, this casserole dish, it's a 14-inch it's a glass casserole dish, right? And so I say, hey, I, I can do this. You know? And so I balance the glass casserole dish on the handlebars, and I'm holding the handlebar with the other hand, and I make it about three-quarters of the way there, which is pretty impressive, until I hit something, and the casserole dish falls over, and, and the first thing I thought was, <laughs> no dessert. And then I thought, oh, mom's going to kill me, right? <laughs> um, I probably should have asked, but at 11 years old, you're not thinking so, so, so clearly. You don't know a lot. Even though you think you're a great bike rider, that's not the point. Right? And, and so just like sometimes our, uh, just like an you know, 11-year-old kid thinking that it's a good idea to bring a dessert on a bike, that's the way some of our ideas appear to God, right? Because we don't have his perspective. We don't have his full view. We don't have his wisdom, right? And so we have to keep in mind that just because we have a good idea, it may not be what God wants, or it may not be the way that he wants it done, or it may not be the right time, right? And so it's important for us to seek after God during these times, Right? And, and it doesn't have to be a big booming voice from heaven. Mark, don't take the dessert on the bike, right? It doesn't have to be that, right? You know, this has a lot of good instruction in it, right? And we dismiss it too quickly. We, we forget that we have this as a resource. It's tremendous, the direction that God gives us here. Uh, it can be in, in, in consult with, with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, right? God puts us together as a church to have that resource of one another so that we don't have to walk through this life alone, so we don't have to make decisions on our own, right? It can be that still, small voice when we draw close to him in prayer, seeking after him, right? That confidence and peace that, yeah, this, this is right. This is right. So God gives us these things to help us understand what's the right thing to do at the right time. So as we read through the scripture, we, we see that there's, there's a party going on, right? They're excited. They're bringing the ark back. They're singing. There's dancing. There's, there's playing of music, and they're all excited, right? They're celebrating. They're worshiping. This is a great, momentous time, and they should be celebrating. They should be worshiping. Um, but again, they, they put the ark on a new cart, right, just like the Philistines had. They forgot that there was a specific way that they were supposed to carry the ark. And so in Numbers 4, 15, uh, reads, And when Aaron and his sons had finished covering uh, the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, which included the ark, right? when the camp is set to go, the sons of Kohath shall carry, come to carry them, but they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. These are the things in the tabernacle of meeting which the sons of Kohath are to carry. Right, so sons of Kohath are a certain tribe of, or a certain family within the, the Levites. So it's up to them to carry the ark, right? And it's not to be carried on a cart, right? The ark actually had these rings on the corners through which they were supposed to insert poles. And so they would carry the, the ark on their shoulders, right? 
And that was how the ark was supposed to be moved. And so there are actually two other times where, where God gives really clear instructions in Exodus 24, 14 and number 7, 9. This is how you're supposed to do it, guys. So the instruction was pretty clear. So why didn't they follow it? Why didn't they follow it? Why did Uzzah have to die? I think it's one of two reasons, and maybe there's more, but I think it's one of two. Um, Either they didn't know their scripture, or no one kept David in check. No one held him accountable to do things the right way. So I'll start with the second one first, uh, being held accountable. And and here's the premise. So the premise is that, that some people knew, right? Some of the priests or some of the Levites knew the right way to do this, and they just did not speak up. So let's put ourselves in their shoes for a minute. You know the right way to do things. But we're not going to tell them. Maybe we're thinking, you know, King David is a pretty smart guy. The dude did kill a giant, right? Uh, God did anoint him as king. Right? He's, he's unified the country. Ah, I'm not going to tell him that. And maybe that reasoning sounds okay. But the reality is, is, is that people in places of authority need to be held accountable. Leadership needs to be held accountable. We all need to be held accountable as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we're all flawed. Right? There's none of us here today that, are, that don't mess up. We're all going to mess up from time to time. We need to be held accountable. And I think leaders in a position of, or sorry, who, who approach their position with humility want that kind of feedback. They want to know, Mark, <laughs> have you really thought about this? Because, because this is what I read in Scripture, right? And when we're bringing Scripture to someone to show them that there's a right way to do it, it's not us. We're pointing them to what God has already said, right? We're pointing them to what God's already said. Um, but as we do this, we really need to check our hearts as well, right? Make sure we're doing it in the right spirit. Because when, when, when the Bible talks about being judgmental, it's much more about the spirit of the way you approach it than the fact that you're holding someone accountable to Scripture, okay? So, so uh, when we want to highlight something to someone, let's check things, all right? Are, are we looking to zing somebody? <laughs> Look, you're not doing that the right way. Are you trying to get somebody back for something? Are you trying to undermine someone or hurt someone? Let's check our motives when we do this. Make sure that we're doing it in the right way. Make sure it's out of a love for that person and not, a, not, a, not as a pretense to break them down. Because we want to use the word as a reference point, right? Not as a baseball bat. Again, you know, many people say, well, you know, Jesus said not to judge, right? But we read in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 7, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we should, in a loving manner, be teaching and correcting one another. 
There's no judgment, no spirit of judgment or hypocrisy here. There's a spirit of love and wanting what's best for one another. So that'd be the first major point to share today is, is let's hold one another accountable, but in the spirit of love and in light of what the scripture says. So we mentioned that there may be two reasons David didn't follow God's instruction uh, about how to move the ark. So either they didn't hold him accountable or they just didn't know their scripture, right? Neither one is a very good scenario. Um, but knowing the scripture is so vitally important. It's so central to our faith, right? But don't take my word for it. Through Moses, God told his people in Deuteronomy 6, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk, when you, talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And in Joshua 1, verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do, every, uh, do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Hebrews 4.12, The word of the Lord is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divisions of soul and spirit and of joy and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents, intentions of the heart. And back to 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right. So hopefully, hopefully you get the point. Knowing your scripture is important. Right. But I doubt there's anyone gonna, here today that would disagree with that. Well, yeah, Mark, we know that. Right. So the question is, well, well, of what importance is it to you today? If suddenly all your Bibles disappeared out of your house, what would tomorrow look like? Would you notice? Right? Would you notice? I think there are a lot of people uh, who would say, I, you know, I enjoy sports, but it's not really an idol. You know, I don't value it that much. But they're really struggling what to do when all these sporting events are being canceled. Right? Sometimes you don't realize how much you depend on something or how little you do until it's gone. Um, Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, this time to verse 15. This says, And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. This is why it's important. This all leads back to Jesus. And here Paul's referring to the Old Testament when Timothy was a child. So even the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus Christ. But we can take confidence that that refers to the scripture as a whole. So what's so important? What's so important in there that we need to know? What's so important that, you know, we need to be in this daily, meditating on it, reading it? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, 
But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is a condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Well, maybe you're thinking, well, Mark, I got that already, right? Well, what about your neighbors? Do they have it? What about your coworkers? Right? We have a mission to, to take this, this truth, this, this, this promise to a world around us. Maybe some of you today had not read the story about, uh, about bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. And now you see the story of Uzzah who died when he touched the ark. The God of David and Uzzah is still our God today. He's still a God that demands holiness, right? To be treated with respect and honor and glory. And we, we forget that sometimes way too easily. There's so many pictures of mercy through the Bible that we miss out on if we don't spend our time there. There's direction for relationships with one another in our families, in our churches. There are great stories. One of my favorite is, is uh, when Elisha uh, and, and his assistant find themselves walled up in a city and they look out and the city is surrounded by the Syrian army. And the assistant is freaking out. Elijah, look at all these, all these warriors. We're doomed. What are we going to do? And Elijah pray, Elisha prays. He says, God, open his eyes that he may see. And so God gives him the ability to see that beyond the circle of warriors is a band of heavenly warriors that encircles them. And that happens all around us all the time. God has provided for us in ways that we can't imagine, things that we cannot see and understand and even begin to grasp, right? But if you don't know that, then you're gonna doubt when you're walled up in your house with, against coronavirus, right? You forget that there's a God out there who is working in ways that you cannot see and protecting you and you don't even know it. So take confidence from these stories in the Bible that are so foundational and give us so much encouragement and hope when things seem to be chaotic. We don't have the Ark of the Covenant with us today, regardless of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> um, but what we do have is a chance to have a relationship with Jesus and to have God dwell with us personally, not on top of a box. To turn our back on that opportunity, it's kind of like today's equivalent of touching the ark. And it's got eternal consequences, but it's got consequences for today. Because you miss out on that joy and peace that he offers that the Bible tells us is unexplainable. Because our God is unexplainable. He's the author of that peace and that hope. We miss out on the blessings like Obed-Edom had when the ark came to rest in his house because they didn't know what else to do. God's presence was with them and they were blessed. We miss out on that. Now, it's not to say that life uh, with Jesus Christ is always rainbows and unicorns and happiness, right? 
but we know that we are right with God and that there's a time coming when all these wrongs will be made right. And he'll wipe away every tear and we can enjoy his very real presence with us daily. So in closing, let's, let's hold one another accountable in a loving way based on what's in Scripture, recognizing that most of the time we're really trying to operate out of good intentions. But we may have a blind spot or maybe we're just going so fast through life that we forget to consult the Scripture. Or maybe sometimes we just don't know. But together, let's walk through these things together. Let's, Let's hold one another accountable in a loving way. Secondly, commit to knowing God's Word and in turn, knowing God better himself, right? For me, that's the whole point of Christian ed, the hour that we have before worship. It's not to knowledge for the sake of knowledge, but a knowledge that gives us a better perspective and a deeper love for God as we worship and live for him daily. So I'm pretty sure um, if you go back a week, you did not expect Sunday to look like this. Uh, You probably didn't expect to be hearing from me, and hopefully you didn't. Hopefully the Holy Spirit has spoken to your hearts. Perhaps you're carrying a burden today. We're here to walk with you through hard times, to pray with you, to be with you. It doesn't mean we have all the answers or all the solutions, but together we can approach the one who does. So I ask, encourage you to reach out. Reach out to us so we can walk through those times with you together. Maybe you want to know more about this Jesus and the peace and this peace about which I spoke. I'd love to share about that with you. Reach out. Maybe you don't know what's going on. But you know something's not right. Well, the good news is God doesn't require us to have all the answers before we come to him. And in fact, Jesus highlights the faith of a child. Kids don't know everything, but usually they're going to the one who does. And that's what God wants. So whatever you have on your heart, I encourage you not to ignore it, not to deal with it later. But reach out. And let's do this together. Pray with me, please. Father God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a community of believers, Lord. And thank you for the hope and the peace that we have through you and your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord God, that as we approach this week, uh, that you would strengthen our community even during a time of, of difficulty, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.